1: This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. Hello and welcome to episode 156 of We Are Going Up. That's right, you haven't got rid of us for the season just yet. I'm Mark Crossley, and I'm pleased to say David Cameron Walker is here. Hello. We've had a very, very strange <laughs> <laughs> few hours. It's been a very weird few hours, as we will no doubt get into. Yes. Uh, anyway, uh, hope you well. We haven't departed for the season just yet. We've oh, been busy no. far enjoying far from it. We've been busy enjoying all the playoff action, and uh, it's been goals galore. Oh, it's been great, isn't it? I think. What did you say earlier? The most goals of any playoff sort of season ever yeah. basically I mean largely th- <laughs> largely match. Match thanks uh, Swin yeah. and Sheffield United uh, anyway it's a week of uh, goodbyes this week we've got um, Steven Gerrard saying goodbye at yep. Anfield Emotional on Saturday mm. we've got David Letterman saying goodbye in the States but we're bringing back an old friend Carl uh, McQueen formerly of this parish uh, is going to be uh, on to talk about the League 1 playoff final which is the a middle game in this uh, this weekend of three big uh, playoff matches at Wembley. So Carl is a big Swindon fan. He will be on later to talk about Swindon against Preston North End. We'll also preview South End against Wickham. And that amazing performance by Michael Timlin with the um, the Peter Cech style sort of head mask Amazing! On I can't believe he's playing really. Given the, uh, the injury in the first leg. So we'll talk about that uh, and the championship playoff final between Norwich and Middlesbrough. More on that in a second. We will also be talking about a film we have just been to see. Yes. Literally 20 minutes ago We were sat in a cinema uh, With Ian Wright Watching a film about Barnet Not just us and Ian Wright Well that would <laughs> have been the nice. three of us um, <laughs> Explain to more too. Uh,
2: A film called Underhill A short film uh, Directed uh, and made by Simon Emmett We should say well done to Barnet For being back in the
1: football league Absolutely
2: Yeah great to have them back uh, And this is all about The story of of Underhill The way When they left Underhill Two years ago Just before they were relegated Of the final game And you know, it just really sums up everything that it means to be a football fan of a club like of, like any club really, whether no matter how big and how how small it is, is what it means to have that connection to a football club and to a place like Underhill.
1: And I really enjoyed it. Particularly, I would say smaller, lower league clubs. There was mm. a real feel of that about it. So we've been to see this screening tonight. So we'll talk a little bit more. About that film later on. So that's all still to come. By the way, for all those people who are asking about predictions, we're going to do predictions next week, we think. And we're also going to do our Young Players show after the playoff final. So we're not departing just yet. However, DC, we have something to talk about at the start of this week's show before we get into the playoff final. I'm going to. Allow you behind the scenes of the We Are Going Up podcast mm. today. <laughs> so Peel back the curtain to yes. reveal. So this is, um, this is how it's, it works. The Wizard so, of Oz isn't really real. No. So we um, we agreed to, um, or we were uh, hoping to do an interview with Anthony Vickers today. Now, Anthony is a columnist and sports writer, Middlesbrough reporter uh, for the Evening Gazette on Teesside. We've had him on the show a couple of times following Middlesbrough's brilliant uh, mm-hmm. win against Brentford on good Friday man. night. Uh, spoke to Anthony earlier on. He was all good to do the interview. However... It had to be slightly earlier than we would have liked because that was, obviously he was out this evening. So it's right, okay, we'll do the interview first. We'll come into the studios we use. We are going up, we'll do the interview. Then we'll go and see the Barnett film and then we'll come back and do the rest of the podcast. So we sit in the studio. I'm sat through the glass from Dave. Dave's got the controls all sorted in there. He's like, right, Anthony's on the line. Let's do the interview. So we start rolling with Anthony. I sort of queue queue him up with the first question with the aim of later seamlessly joining it together with this intro to make it sound good. However, Dave... You take up the story. Well, when I
2: came out of the studio and popped into to the little room you were in just to see if everything was OK, I noticed you were taking a little bit longer than I expected to come out. You were looking at the laptop and listening to something. Oh, what are you doing? Listen to it later. We've got we to gotta go. We've got to see the film in 20 minutes. And then you turned and said to me, there's some strange hissing in the background. And then as soon as you said that, I realised that I'd forgotten that in the studio I was sitting in on the microphone... Uh, about a meter away from me in the corner of the room there's a, a gigantic air conditioning machine <laughs> with a huge anaconda-like pipe stretching up into the ceiling and also a little desk fan that i've noticed both blowing out freezing cold air at rather large volumes um that i just i just it's kind of been in this studio all week and I, i've been in and out and i didn't i just got used to it i completely forgot that it was there forgot that it was you know you could hear it in the background
1: um So there you go. Yes. So hold your hands up time. So basically, we are now going to play you the interview we did with Anthony, which is about the playoff final, which will happen on Monday, the £130 million game at Wembley, Norwich against Middlesbrough for the right to be in the Barclays Premier League next season. However, unfortunately, you're going to have to listen to this with a massive air conditioning unit (laughs) in the background. I mean, you can still hear everything he says perfectly clear and us. You can still hear it fine. All you've got to do is just
2: imagine that it's not there.
1: Yes Okay so We're going to play this from Anthony now Then we'll return uh, With the aircon turned off while you I have turned it off now while you burn to death I'm, in there I'm hot um, At
2: least you know At least you'll be able to listen to the interview Safe in the knowledge That I was sitting comfortably At room temperature
1: <laughs> whilst, whilst it was going on <laughs> Absolutely. So Middlesbrough into the playoff final then with a 3-0 victory against Brentford at the Riverside Stadium on Friday night. Very, very impressive performance. They won by five goals to one in aggregate and they are through to the final against Norwich at Wembley on Monday. So we spoke to Anthony Vickers, uh, who is the columnist, as I mentioned, Middlesbrough writer for the Evening Gazette on Teesside. And I started by asking him about the atmosphere at the Riverside on Friday night uh, because it looked amazing, didn't it, on the TV. I said to uh, Anthony, what was it like to experience in person?
0: Oh, it was fantastic. It's the best atmosphere I can remember at the Riverside since the Stoia Bucharest UEFA Cup semi-final. So that's the best part of 10 years. It was incredible, really. It actually started maybe half an hour before kick-off. There was an intensity there that, I mean, I can't remember for a long time. It was a determination, I think, amongst the crowd to get this job done. And I don't know if it came across fully on the telly, but the noise, the color, there was the big cards, there was smoke going off. the chanting started 10-15 minutes before kickoff. It drowned out the PA, which is quite unusual at our place, and it never dropped for the the entire uh, 96 minutes. And to be fair to the Brentford fans, they give it theirs, uh, gave it gave it good guns as well. Uh, you couldn't really hear them very much, but whenever it just you know out the borough volume dropped a little bit, you could hear them uh, chanting. At one point, they they ironically. St- Started chanting, uh, "You're not singing anymore." <laughs> it was read down really
2: well. Uh, well, it's great to to see and to hear the atmosphere at, at the game on Friday because you know over the last sort of few years during the decline out of the Premier League and then kind of the mid-table uh, mediocrity in the Championship, the crowds have dropped at, at Teesside side sometimes and haven't always been that great atmosphere that we that we saw. Were under the days of Steve McLaren and Brian Robson, even further back. Yeah. So it was good to see that. But also, yeah. uh, just an observation at the game. I mean, people talk about Middlesbrough, and, and a lot of the focus is on how good they've been defensively, very tight, the best defence uh, in the championship. But that shouldn't uh, mistake the fact that they played some really good football.
0: Uh, I'm not really sure where, where this image has come from. I know a lot was said was uh, a lot was said at, uh, uh, from the Brentford camp last week about Burroughs. Cynical, time-wasting defense. Defense. It made it sound like a Neil Warnock team, uh, and actually, we scored some fantastic goals this season. I mean, you may remember uh, against Man City, the the turn by Lee Tomlin mm-hmm. that absolutely sent uh, uh, Vincent Company into another another dimension, and not just that, but the the, other, the goal that was scored that day by Patrick Bamford. I mean, we we've scored some fantastic team goals. Uh, uh, admittedly, uh, the the start can be very cautious sometimes. There's a lot of uh, possession passing uh, quietly. Patiently probing, but when they do break forward, they break at incredible speed. I mean, all three goals against Brentford, I thought, were fantastic.
1: Lee Tomlin again. Uh, you mentioned him for the turn at the Etihad. What a strike that was to uh, to open the scoring on Friday.
0: Yeah, he, he's uh, he seems to have uh, come back into his own after a little bit of a dip, uh, maybe for the last six weeks or so, where. I mean, maybe the the style of football's changed as we we get closer to the finishing line and there's a little bit more cautious about the the way we set out. But he can really see a pass and he can pick a pass out, and and on his day, he's a match winner.
2: What about that defence, though? And it is very, very impressive. Only 37 goals conceded in the regular championship season. And who who are the the star performers in, in that defensive unit?
0: Well, when Ben Gibson and Daniel Ayala have started together, we've only lost one match. This season, Gib- Gibson
2: being the, the chairman's—is it his son? He's,
0: he's nephew. nephew. Nephew, yeah. Yeah, uh, I don't think that's a, a factor in it. He, he's a, a fantastic mm. player, and I'm sure he'd get into any team, to be honest, in, uh, at this level. But uh, one defeat when they've started in, in 28 games, and that one defeat was the the chaotic, surreal one at Fulham. 23 clean sheets over the season tells its own story, and people think that's partly. You know, it, it, it's not a negative kind of de- a defensive approach. The whole team press is really high and everyone works their nads off for, for the full 96 minutes and uh, it, it, I think you probably saw against Brentford and you probably saw in the Norwich away match that was on telly as well the people throw their bodies in front of shots and um, they they're blocking tackles and sliding tackles and defenders are uh, attackers are running back 70 yards to put tackles in it's a really tenacious team approach and uh, you know we, we've a, borough, a goal ahead. It's very, very hard to break
1: them down. Um, I need to ask you about Ita Karanka. And um, there was quite a lot of press when he was given the job about the fact that Steve Gibson was appointing a, a foreign manager for the first time. Uh, perhaps didn't have sort of the immediate impact, but obviously, you know, a couple of years down the line, um, Middlesbrough going great guns. And there's a real good blend of kind of few foreign players, players that have been at other clubs, like players that have been in the Premier League, and youngsters that have really come together this season.
0: Yeah, he's done a fantastic job. I mean, he's completely meticulous. He micromanages everything and he's incredibly demanding. Uh, he demands that everybody improves uh, every day, every week, every game. And he's, he's ruthless. Uh, and if people aren't pulling their weight or don't do what they have been asked to do, he'll just drop them. And uh, not only that, he will publicly tell you that he's, they've been dropped because they haven't Uh, adhered to his uh, methodology and and philosophy. Uh, The players love that because they know where they stand. Uh, They know that they have to perform. And he's also created an aura around the team where the team is everything. And the team spirit here is incredible. Uh, I mean, if if you follow the lads on Twitter, they're always, always uh, congratulating each other after matches. And it feels genuine. It it really feels like they all... uh, it's you know, an all-for-one kind of thing. And it's. I mean, I've been speaking to Jonathan Woodgate today, and uh, he was asked the question about is it hard to be sat on the bench at his age? And he was absolutely gushing about just being involved. And he didn't mind being on the bench so long as he was involved because it's all about the team. And that's what I Karanka's got. He's got a, a bunch of individuals, and he's forged them into a, a really
2: formidable unit. So what about then the big game? Bank Holiday Monday against Norwich at Wembley. Um, How do you think it's going to go, simply? Uh, I think it's
0: very hard to call on paper. Uh, Two good teams. We've beaten them twice. Uh, Nathan Redmond last week kind of implied that it was lucky, although the 4-0 win here was pretty much (laughs) one-sided and I thought that might get mentioned. And the 1-0 win at their place... I never felt that for all their possession, and especially in the second half, all the pressure, I never felt they were going to score. And that's partly because of the the, the way Borough set out. They got the early goal and they they kind of dug tactical trenches 30 yards out and uh, rolled out the barbed wire. And it's almost impossible to get through. And I think that day Borough showed that they have the tenacity and the defensive steel to go with the flair that they perhaps showed in the home match where we won 4-0 whether those things have a bearing going into the game, I don't really know. We know what the playoffs are like. It's, it's a lottery. It all comes down to who starts best in the first 10 or 15 minutes and sets the pattern. But from this end right now, I get the impression that there's a real buzz about the town, about the club. There's a determination about the club. And I, I think there's a sense there that this, is, this has been the objective all season that they've been working to. It's almost as if it's been Planned to culminate at the stage. So, I mean, I'm going there incredibly confident.
1: It's, good. it's been an amazing season. If you think that, yeah. you know, played at Liverpool in the, the Carling Cup, that amazing penalty shoot yeah. out at the start of the season, they've been to the Etihad and won, they've played, yeah. obviously, at uh, the Emirates this season, and it all comes down to this game. Um, and I've noticed you've written a column today, Anthony, because Borough have sold out their ticket allocation, as you'd expect, yeah. for Monday, comparing it to the UEFA Cup final in Eindhoven uh, when they lost to Sevilla under Steve McLaren Um, you want to see a little bit of a different atmosphere amongst the Middlesbrough fans on Monday to what you saw in Eindhoven
0: yeah I think uh, obviously it was a big day out and it was a hot day and people started drinking very early on and I I don't think the fans were really focused by the time most Borough fans were in the stadium the, the Sevilla fans had already been chanting for an hour and the atmosphere there was incredibly intense and you had the sense that they'd come there to win whereas you had the sense from the Borough that there was a bit of a beano uh, a little bit uh, a little bit slack and that, that to me was a complete contrast to where we'd, we'd gone to Cardiff in the, the Carling Cup in uh, 2004 against Bolton and we went there with that, exactly that same determination that the Sevilla fans had shown started very early on now, occupied the, the, the stadium from the moment the doors opened and started creating sonic layers and by the time the match kicked off it felt like Borough were going to win that And I'd like to think that we can go to Wembley with the same attitude, that the the, the supporters can match the determination and the methodical approach of the team and show that, you know, we are actually, uh, when, when we're united, I think Middlesbrough can be quite a potent force.
2: If you do go to Wembley with that determination and come out on the winning side... How many of this team and this squad do you think will be ready for, you know, to be a competitive Premier League outfit, or do you think there's going to be uh, need to be a lot of additions?
0: I think there will be a lot of changes to go up. I think obviously that that goes without saying. Uh, I think this year obviously you know, Burnley went up, and you got the impression that they weren't they weren't spending to stay up. They were quite happy to take the money and come down and build for the following season. I think if Borough go up, Steve Gibson will have a determination to make sure that they stay there. And I think I talk Carranca will have the pulling power to bring in some interesting players. Uh, I don't know if you wear it, but we've we've got a kind of fraternal relationship with Atletico Madrid, and also with Roma. Uh, last summer, there was hints that maybe we could get players on loan, but they weren't happy to come to the Championship. But maybe they'll be happy to come to the Premier mm. League. And also, I think uh, the system that Carranca's built, the shape, the framework, is is the star. And I think when you've got a shape that everyone understands, it's easier to replace the component parts of it and improve the whole without disrupting it too much. I think there have been half a dozen players this season that would would step up. And I, I look at match of the day every week and I think, well, the bottom six or eight in, in that division, there's not a lot to be scared of. And I, I think Borough now could probably hold their own against some of those teams that are struggling down there. I don't think it would take a massive quantum leap to improve Burr's team. And as I say, I think the shape and the manager's approach probably make it easier than going up to try and buy individuals.
2: There's two parts to this question I'm going to ask you now. One, if you do get up, what are the chances of you being able to have Patrick Bamford again next season? And, and even if he doesn't come to Middlesbrough next season... How good, based on what you've seen him do this year, do you think he can be? Could he be someone like Harry Kane and have a breakout season in the Premier League next year?
0: I certainly hope so, and I hope it's with Borough. Uh, If you look at his record, uh, his spell at MK Dons, he scored nine in 21 at Derby, Uh, he's got 19 here from about 36 games. He's shaping up to be a one in two striker, which is very, very impressive, Uh, and He's getting better, I think. He started the season on the bench, uh, a bit patchy. He played out of position sometimes on the right. But once he got his first couple of goals underneath underneath his belt, he's pretty much a a goal every other game. And against some, you know, he scored against uh, Man City. uh, He scored against Liverpool. You know, he's done it against the best teams in this division. So I think, yes, he can be a big player. Uh, I certainly hope it's with Middlesbrough. Our understanding is that the next phase in his development plan at Chelsea is a year-long loan in the Premier League. And should Borough go up, our understanding is that he would be minded to stay here. Uh, He likes the area, he likes the team. The team spirit's fantastic, so obviously people want to stay involved in that. And the, the style of the team suits him. So I think, should we go up, I would expect him... Uh, I think there's a very good chance of him being back at Middlesbrough next year.
1: Is he going to be fit for the final?
0: We certainly hope so. Uh, he hasn't trained this week, uh, but then again, he didn't train before the first Brentford match, uh, and he played. Uh, yeah, I think he would want to play, and obviously, once this one's out of the way, he's got a couple of weeks' rest. So I imagine he would play.
1: Well, good luck on Monday, Anthony. Thanks a lot. I'm looking forward to watching it. It should be a, a cracking final. It's
0: always a cracking game, isn't it? It's the best it game is. of the season, usually.
1: Good luck, mate. Uh, enjoy it if you can. We don't know which way it's going to go yet, but we'll see. I'll, I'll try. That's uh, Anthony Vickers, who is a columnist and Middlesbrough writer for the Evening Gazette on Teesside. Next, we are going to turn our attention to the League One playoff final. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. So that was Anthony Vickers talking to us earlier. The aircon is switched off, I'm pleased to say, from this point onwards. And we can talk about the League One playoff final then, which is taking place at Wembley on Sunday at 5.30. It is Swindon Town against Preston North End. Preston with a pretty comfortable aggregate uh, victory, 4-0 aggregate victory over Chesterfield, uh, to reach the final at Wembley, um, with Jermaine Beckford scoring that unbelievable goal from the halfway line in the second leg. And at Wembley, they'll be playing Swindon, who, um, well, I mean, unbelievable, doesn't really do it justice, the game they had in the second leg against Sheffield United. 5-5, meaning they progressed 7-6 on aggregate. And on the phone right now is Mr Carl McQueen, formerly of this parish, still of this parish. Carl, hello. Hello, mate. Right, Sunday then. Tell, tell me about it. You have got a ticket. What are you expecting from, uh, from Preston at Wembley?
3: Uh, well, As long as we don't concede five, that will probably be my starting point. And on the basis of the last two times I've been to Ambley to see Swindon, as long as we get a shot on target, uh, I'll be hoping uh, for more. Um, I mean, Preston really should have gone up automatically. Uh, they have to be heavy favourites
2: mm. for
3: the game on Sunday, don't they?
2: Ten, um, point, ten points ahead of you in, in, in the normal league season. Yeah. Uh, you've scored three goals less than them but they conceded a bit more, They conceded well. 17 less than you. So, yeah, there is certainly, a, you know, on paper, a golfing quality uh, in between the two sides, but really, mm-hmm. it shouldn't necessarily matter on Sundays. One game, you've got to be confident.
3: One game, I mean, we'll be confident. A lot of people talk about momentum and that, and I think we only won one of our last seven games. I think it was in a season, but uh, less do people know, Mark Cooper did rest a lot of players when it was clear we wouldn't get automatic promotion and we're quite clearly safe and the rest of the chasing pack. It, this is a weird scenario, where the top four teams in League One have kind of been in the top four for maybe since November, it seems. So there hasn't been a lot between us. So we, I think, drew against Preston and beat them at our place. You know, we also beat um, you know a couple of other teams up there this season. So we can do it. We can mix it up against the, uh, the bigger teams. The problem is, as exciting as the game was against Sheffield United at the county ground, that will play on a lot of people's minds, the fact that, Preston with you know, some decent players up front. You mentioned Jermaine Beckford's excellent goal. You know, it's it's going to be a struggle, I think, for us to keep a clean sheet, which could be the issue, which is in seasons gone by has been our strong boy keeping clean sheets rather than scoring goals.
1: That's that second leg was probably the most unbelievable match of football I've seen in a long time. <laughs> just watching the highlights, but it's just just goal after goal after goal, and Swindon seemed to have it won at about four different points. Well, um, yeah. There must have been a whole kind of range of emotions watching that.
3: Uh, it, I think that was, uh, to be fair to say, the most ridiculous game of football I've ever sat and watched or even been a part of. And, you know, when I was playing when I was nine years old and there was games that ended five or they weren't as, as dramatic as that. I mean, when we went 3-0 up inside, what, first 20 minutes, I believe it was, yeah. there was no way, having you know, been 2-1 up after the first leg, we should never have thrown that away. <laughs> I, I don't know what it was. Mark Cooper is a very straight-talking manager, uh, of course, by which point we come half time. Of course, the, the um, Sheffield United were very much back in it. But he would have surely said to the players, "We've would got an early goal. To not go crazy and think you're, you're already on the way to Embley." I, I don't quite know what happened with the team. It was full strength squad. It's not like there was players there who w- were perhaps taken away by the situation. A lot of young players in the Swindon squad. Don't get me wrong, but many of whom are even lonies sort who of have come from bigger clubs and we've brought them on freeze or on small transfers. So it was just bizarre. Um, I mean, if we have a game like that on Saturday, um, well, God help me, um, I don't know quite what state I'll be in about seven to seven thirty on Sunday evening.
2: You've got plenty of plaudits this season for the style of football that you've played. Um, you know, Mark Cooper's done a brilliant job, really. And and I suppose just looking at some of the some of the key players, the the key sort of shining lights of your team, you have to start with Andy Williams with, with all the goals from up front, and also another player that we hear a lot about is Massimo Luongo.
3: Well, the Asia Cup Player of the Year, of course, hmm. um, from back to year, which, again, some people will forget him. Yasser Kassim for Iraq as well. Both those guys have been played halfway around the world uh, for a month during the season and will be kind of on their last legs, I suppose. Uh, now, so a you know, testament to the kind of fitness regime. Uh, Mark Cooper and the, the coaching staff have gotten in, involved there. As ever with Swindon in, in recent years, we've been heavily reliant on low knees. Uh, this year, Kind of more so at the back. Uh, you know, um, Jack Stevens, Jordan Turnbull, we've both had from from Southampton have been excellent. Um, particularly Jack Stevens from the few times I've seen Swindon uh, in the flash this season, uh, it's been absolutely brilliant. Um, as you mentioned up front, Andy Williams, which which is uh, you know an interesting one because he went on loan to Yeovil uh, last season, uh, an injury did curtail that season. But the fact is he wasn't particularly wanted or or needed uh, by Mark Cooper. Uh, but Mark Cooper's brought him back into the team and you know, 21 goals I think he's got mm. uh, this season uh, as well. Ben Gladwin's another one. He's done quite well. He, I didn't think did too well in his first season. Uh, we got him from uh, Reading, um, but this season's come on uh, you know, in, in leaps and bounds, um, but he's done extremely well. And there are other in this squad. 15 goals right
2: for Michael Smith as well.
3: Uh, yeah, very much so. Um, he was someone at the start of the season really... I think he scored five in his first five games as well. He's got the season off to a great start uh, for us. Uh, a typical big man up front, a target man um, who knows his role inside out. And he's got younger players like Ben Gladwin um, playing off him as well. John Swift, who has gone on had him from Chelsea, um, you know, playing off him and using pace around them, which we do still... There is still that ethos which was carried over from Paolo de I found. That's when I do like to try and play it on the floor as much as they can, which at League One level is always a bit of a risk because the quality of passing might not be as high standard standard the Championship Premier League uh, level uh, as well. But are something that Mark Cooper has carried on, and these young players coming in from Premier League Championship clubs as well, people like Harry Toffolo uh, as well, it seems to have paid off with, t- with players who have been there a bit longer, people like uh, Nathan Byrne, Nathan Thompson, have been there a bit longer. It's starting to rub off on those guys, which you know, is a positive, should we not get the result we want? On
1: Sunday for next season, of course. For the last sort of uh, ten years, Swindon have seemed to be in a club that has kind of, uh, you know, been League One or League Two and League One, League Two. This does feel like a really, obviously, one game away now. A huge opportunity to get into the Championship. And you mentioned that the links they've got with some Premier League clubs. Mm. You know, that that could really pay especially, dividends in the Championship. Especially a
2: club like Southampton. I mean, you know, one of the very best academies around. You know, mm-hmm. widely hailed for the way they bring young players through. If you can get more players, you know, from them into the Championship,
1: you have a real good chance. And Preston, Preston often bottle it in the playoffs, playoffs as well, well so that's that's another reason true. to be I confident. You to
3: do. Our record isn't great, I must admit, uh, in recent years. We've not won since we got promoted to the Premier League back in 1993. Uh, we lost a few semi-finals, of course, obviously most recently in the final of Millwall, but Brentford uh, a couple of seasons ago as well. But going back to the point of young players, it was a few years ago our chairman, Lee Power, who is very good... I've Quite simply, I think they were either former teammates or just simply very good mates with Tim Sherwood, who at the time was the youth academy manager at the Spurs team. And we had a few players coming in there. Massimo Luongo, as we've already mentioned. Nathan Byrne, who's been one of our best players this season. It was, I think he was in the League One team of the, team of the season uh, as well. It's just a connection we've had. Swindon, so a team, a, a lot of teams down in League One actually don't have much in the way of finances, but we've had chronic problems over the past 20 years with finances. Um, so we are overly... Um, I'd probably say they're not heavily but overly reliant on loan players so going forward should we should we win uh, on, on Sunday I think it's still a big should we, we are clear underdogs I think that can only bode well for us there'll be a few players who we've got on loan this season who we might be able to keep for another season Of course, they wouldn't perhaps be that keen to do so if they stay in League One. Um, So, yeah, it is a very big game um, because the team could be extremely different should we lose from the start of next season.
2: Word on on Mark Cooper himself now. An interesting interesting sort of story if you look at his managerial career. Obviously, success in non-league and then gets that big jump up out of nowhere almost to Peterborough uh, back Mm. in 2009. Didn't go very well at all for him there back down into non league with a few clubs darling kettering Telford, and then gets the job at swindon following on from the Paolo Di decanio era and not maybe not much was expected maybe a few eyebrows are raised when he took that swindon job but really yeah, he's been very you know very successful ever since he came in
3: absolutely uh, and i bet most swindon fans they should hold their hands up and say when he was appointed a lot of people thought oh Christ, because you'd heard from Peterborough really being, well, being the only team in the Football League that he'd managed and and done so terribly. Uh, He managed Darlington, uh, I think, before they dissolved. And he left, I believe it was Telford was his last job in management before he came to us. And he didn't win a game. Uh, there he was in there for a kind of half a half dozen games, didn't win a single match. So where this has come from I'm not sure he I'm pretty sure he had to have a couple of assistant managerial roles before he came to us. But off the back of us obviously having Paolo Di Canio this larger than life figure that every week Sky Sports News wanted to hear what Paolo DeCano had to say at his press conference. All of a sudden the cameras went away and went elsewhere. And Mark Cooper was probably thankfully able to go about his job very quietly uh, and build for it probably for his Coaching network uh, and a scouting network able to build on these lonely players so it has been a pleasant surprise um, most fans I guarantee you would have expected him to last six months as is kind of the norm for most football league teams nowadays but it's an incredible crit to what he's done he's not the kind of manager as well which you'd think he might get poached by elsewhere because he still is in theory building his name he wasn't a big player he played for you know a whole bunch of lower league teams as well so he's not like he's got much of a reputation he's working very much from you know, the ground floor and starting to work his way up so he's still got a fair way to go so I think would be safe should he get promoted or not get promoted on Sunday he'll happily stay on until next season I'd like to think the fans would approve of that as well because he seems to have a good thing going it just depends of course we lose a lot of the low in the summer who we end up bringing in come August and September.
1: But he could be a Championship manager come uh, Sunday evening. Carl, final question. Um, long-term listeners will remember when you went to the JPT final in 2012, you wore a Palo de Canio mask. Are you going to be wearing a Mark Cooper mask on Sunday? Um,
3: that wasn't the plan, uh, but uh, maybe...
2: Get your print um, stick, get your printer, <laughs> get your scissors. Come on, mate. You've still got um, two days. Yeah,
3: it's true. I got, well, those um, Palo de Caneo masks were provided by the wonderful people at Wembley Stadium with uh, a £5 off Johnston Paint. Um, did you to take sure. up that the back of it, of it. That I never did take oh, well, up I don't know where they sell Johnson paint um, but perhaps there's one good omen uh, the last few times you I might to need Wembley.
2: some soon you like, yeah. digging your drawers
3: <laughs> <laughs> the last few times uh, I've to Wembley against uh, Chesterfield and Mill. before that we were in the other ends. we are in a different end this time um, so I'm perhaps clutching at drawers a little bit but a good omen perhaps that we're going to be at a different end and maybe as long as I see a goal, uh, well, a shot on target would be helpful. I've
2: with been three, to um, I've been to Wembley accident. with you, haven't I? Just I'm just yeah, remembering right, yeah. now. We went to see, who did we go to see in the Olympics? G, it
3: was Team GB, wasn't it? It was two games.
2: Uh,
3: it was a game between Uruguay and someone. Uruguay and... Team GB versus United Arab Emirates.
2: Yeah, maybe Uruguay and Senegal.
1: Senegal, I think. Yeah. Can I also say, me and Carl went to a game uh, between Gabon and South Korea at Wembley during the Olympics, which, which finished terrible. nil nil. <laughs> Although
2: uh, 80, I do 000, think I'm sat very close to that
3: location, Mark, which will mean nothing to anyone but first tier near the corner flag. That's exactly where I'm sat this time around. Right? we were, is, you know, this we were is, in
2: the very back row, and the only thing I can remember about <laughs> the whole experience, even I didn't even remember much about the teams. Marvin there was playing, I think, but the uh, only thing I can remember is just the absolutely horrendous situation at getting food at half time. The yeah. card machines. There were queues for miles. And when I got to the front, I was... Given some little like curly twisty sausage thing in a bun with no, there was no sauce left. I paid about six pound fifty for a curly sausage in a bun, and it was awful.
1: Well,
3: inspiring a generation
1: there. They do say like you know, don't be too in on these things, but sod that. As long as the, that family were there again, Carl, who had oh, all the food for absolutely. the Gabon Save Career it was game. Wonderful. The row in front of sushi us. It was unbelievable. There was so Absolute. much food. Uh, anyway, cakes. didn't offer us any though. They didn't. They didn't. Uh, rude. Uh, good luck on Sunday enjoy it Preston Swindon on Sunday that is uh, Karma Queen and we will be talking about other things after this you're listening to We Are Going Up we've got the Football League covered This pod has got a distinctly end-of-season feel about it, do you not We're think? on the beach, aren't we? <laughs> we certainly are. Um, <laughs> Thank you for persisting. We are were on the beach. Very, very, very I feel st- like I'm on the beach strange. now with the air con off. I bet you're doing <laughs> <laughs> very, very strange show this week. Um, we're not done yet. Um, Shall we talk more about this film very briefly we before should. we move on? I think we should. Deserves it. So, is this going to be released? I don't, I'm not really sure on the, the deets. I think it's going to be out in the I was internet. happy with
2: my two free beers. It's going to be at them. some some short film festivals, probably some selected independent releases, maybe yeah. in London. We met a, a mega, super Barnet
1: fan called... Mm. Village. Village. His name is Village. Not his name as a shop. His name is Village. Yeah. Um, he was a great man. Very, very Absolutely nice fellow. He has a starring role in the documentary. Yeah. He's big on uh, um, Barnet's overseas Well, he's fans. kind of like the coordinator. He's like the overseas...
2: Liaison officer, yes, if you could imagine that Barnett would have such a thing. Uh, but they do have lots of friends around the world, apparently. Um, and he's just a, a typical, sort of lifelong supporter who, who very much. Is completely devoted to the club, and he, he's the. I think he's called Village oh, because he's basically me. the guy that sits in the little uh, sort of kiosk selling. Um, you know, it's basically their version of a club shop, really. It's yeah. so a little kiosk selling programmes and memorabilia I hope he and still stuff. Goes to the high and it's called American Village Eagles. Shop. Oh, of course he. I mean, of course he does. He's yeah. never going to leave. But you know, it's something that I think would appeal to any fans of football. Whether you know whether. You support a Premier League team, whether you support a non-League team, football league team, whether you are a, f- a fan of g- in general or of an overseas club, it, it, it strikes a chord with anyone that likes football because it's about the, the emotion and it's about the the relationship that we all have with our clubs, and it's different for every person. But I think we can all identify, and there will be there'll be countless people listening to this who will, who will support clubs who have moved stadiums, and when that happens. Whether you agree with it, disagree with it, whether you think it's, you know, a good thing or a bad thing, there is an inevitable loss. Of of tradition of of history of soul and of, of meaning and w- what that club means to you you know it's a place that you've gone to every week for you know most of your life and it really comes across it's quite sad in places but also very funny as well there's some great laughs and people Ian Wright was just laughing his head off he certainly in, was in rows in front of us is there a website address on the
1: thing that you've got in front of you There should be there is just, well just, just search under Hill Film you've
2: got to go to um, at Simon underscore Emmett. That's E-double M-E-double T. There you go. He's the director and the, the producer, the guy that made this film. Uh, we'll um, tweet out a link to, to all the relevant stuff on our Twitter as well. But it's, it's really worth checking out and finding it because it's, it's fantastic. There's you know, some of the people that are in it. You've got Barry Fry, of course, was once manager of Barnet. Arsene Wenger. Arsene Wenger. Of course, Arsenal used the ground for many mm. years for their reserves. Paul and Fairclough, isn't Paul it? Paul Fairclough, yeah. Who else? Davids, very briefly. Edgar is <laughs> very, very briefly indeed. Uh, the the chairman, Anthony Cleethouse, is you know very good as well. Great story about how he actually came to buy the club, yeah. uh, and just some, you know a, a whole list of fans and people that have been there all their lives, some ex players, and uh, it was fantastic. Really yeah. worth checking out.
1: And they're back in the football league next season, and so are Bristol are. Rovers. Of course, oh, of course. Who else is it? Mad Dog. Yeah, of course. Martin yeah. Allen is back in what the football league. Uh, Bristol Rovers are joining them. He's They've getting been... married this week, is he? Many, yeah. many happy returns Absolutely. to yeah. Mr and Mrs Dog um, Bristol Rovers <laughs> Mr ben, Mr. Bristol Rovers Bristol Rovers are back in the Football League and the first team I think in a decade to do it the first time of asking yeah very impressive achievement after um, beating Grimsby on penalties think... his name is a shop did score a Wembley goal yeah did you see it yeah well fantastic very very similar to a lot of the goals he scored for us smacked him right
2: in the face the yeah. slow-mo replay from, from behind the goal was fantastic he doesn't know a thing about it 47,029 That's a record there.
1: isn't it um, Daryl Clark yeah, it is Daryl Clark did a, um, a Louis van Haal on Steve Mildenhall for Will Puddy just for the penalties mm. but he didn't make a difference well, Will Puddy should have been off Yes he Handballed that clearly half, yeah. outside the
2: area in the first half and I was watching the game and it was interesting I think I, I mean I was at the time <laughs> I was watching it with two Bristol City fans so they were they were very much cheering for Grimsby um, but we were all remarking on how poor in terms of quality the game was and I think it slightly harsh it's been a long season Why oh, support
1: a Premier League team now <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's, you know, it's been a long season for them They're probably not used to playing on such a expansive playing surface And they have 120 minutes They were knackered at the end So there was a lot of long balls And a lot of just hopeless clearances down the line But um, wonderful Fair right in in League 2, mate Yeah, no, wonderful composure from the Bristol Rovers players To score five their penalties five. You know, heartbreak for the Grimsby you Only missed one, one penalty He blazed it over the bar And um, Bristol Rovers are back they
1: are. Right. Let's great talk. year for the city of Bristol. Indeed. I it's think a... I think the rugby team are in the championship playoffs as well. So well, a great trick. A great year if you support a team that begins with B. Because yeah. Bournemouth yeah. are the champions of the Championship, Bristol City yeah. the champions of League One, and League Two the champions uh, were Burton. Barry also got promoted, and yeah. in the Conference, Barnet and Bristol Rovers both went up. God, there you go. You should imagine the odds. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, let's talk a bit about the um, the uh, well, the fact that another B Brentford missed out on the playoffs with that defeat to the Riverside. Going to be a very interesting summer at uh, Griffin Park with Mark mm. Warburton stepping down.
2: Still, like I saw him on Sky Sports News this morning on the morning view, uh, and. He's still being you know, he still is Brentford manager. He's not gone yet. But okay. like when's he going? When's a cut off point?
1: Who's coming in next? Probably the first of June I would imagine. Um but anyway, so Brentford miss out, but um Norwich are there. Um did you know that only one third place team has failed to qualify for the Championship Player Final in the last nine seasons? That was Forrest, obviously. Mm. Uh, so that's Middlesbrough, third against fourth. Third has gone up five times in the last nine seasons, fourth only once in the last 16.
2: Yeah, and it, you know, still, still, you get so many people saying. Oh, yeah, you know, Well, you've got to watch out for that team that finishes in sixth, coming on strong at the end of the season. They're the ones to watch. More often than not, it's the better teams that finish higher up in the league that go mm. up. Well, um, the Christoph Berra red card was the turning point in mm. the second leg. What do you make of that? Because watching it, you know, I was watching it w- with an Ipswich fan, actually, and he was saying, oh, God, he should have left it. Yeah, we can't know, think
1: that He should have left
2: it. Then we would had 11 men, you know, plenty of time to get back into the game. And he was very much thinking that it was a decision, you know, a literal, de- a deliberate nah. decision. But then Gibera tweets off the game saying, I didn't mean it, it was kind of just reaction and it was yeah. there. I think, you know, snap judgment and it's, it's
1: gone wrong for him. Mick McCarthy did an interview afterwards when he said pretty much the same thing, like, you know, in an ideal world he would have left it, but... You know, it's just as a football, your natural instinct is to keep the ball out with a goal if you're defending. So you do it by whatever means. Obviously, at that stage, Ipswich probably had the better of the second leg. Yeah, it was all level Can't anyway. Hulken scores the penalty, one nil. Uh, they got an equaliser to make it one all, but then they just sort of opened up at the back near the end, obviously yeah. with a, a player lesson. Yeah, uh, Cameron Jerome, the man who. Uh, seems to operate in that zone between the bottom of the Premier League and the top of the championship where he's too good for the top what, of the championship what is that zone I'm called? I'm not sure the Earnshaw <laughs> zone that, that kind of zone <laughs> the <in between>. Earnshaw <laughs> zone yeah um, so yeah he's kind of in that that sort of um, zone. He scored another one i trying to think he got the second goal can't even remember it was in Redmond that's right Nathan Redmond yeah, yeah. so uh, Norwich into the final Stephen Fry's happy is happy they're all happy and uh, we'll find out who gets promoted to the Premier League on Monday and we'll talk about it next week uh, Lee Clark's gone from Blackpool as is basically everyone there uh, they've got about seven players left, haven't yeah. they, after today? Um, so they're going to be playing in League One next season, as our Sheffield United, who missed out again. Five all draw. And I, I did see a lot of people being very, very critical to Nigel Clough, as you'd imagine, on social media at 3 0 down. And the same people, even though they scored five goals. Imagine going into the second leg as a Sheffield United fan thinking, we're going to score five goals at and the, not uh, go through. At Swindon and not yeah. go through. Um, but yeah, it's just, another... I'm trying to think. Well, they obviously lost to Huddersfield on penalties in yeah, 2012. Uh, 2013 I'm not sure about that they've certainly been in the playoffs a couple of times since and lost in semi-finals Mm -hmm. haven't they they just can't seem to get out of that division Uh, so they missed out uh, but in the final, as we mentioned, Preston with that 3 0 win in the second leg against Chesterfield, 4 0 on aggregate, couple for Jermaine Beckford. It's uh, meant that Paul Cook has left Chesterfield since that, bizarrely. To go Ugly to scenes at the end of that game as well. Yeah, with it? Ian Ever mm. and um, Dean Saunders, appointed by Chesterfield, a man who's just got Crawley relegated. Although mm. a couple of people did tweet us when we put a little joke out at Dean Saunders' expense saying that he's actually done a decent ish job at Crawley. Uh, Mark Yates replacing there, but anyway, the bottom line of all that is: Jermaine Bedford's scored an unbelievable goal from the halfway line. Press North End can. It was end. just ruined though slightly by the fact that he slipped. Well, when he, yeah. it was
2: brilliant, but it would just be that that little bit look that little bit better if he managed to stay on his feet because he slipped. You just sort of think, well, did he mean it? It was that sort of an accident, but anyway, they're in the final to, and they've got a chance to
1: end this. Aaron Run and, like you say, probably favourites to beat Swindon in the League One play final. What they need to do someday. as well as
2: a, prior, a real priority is, if, regardless of either way, it still needs it's an issue that needs to be dealt with. But Simon Grayson needs to sort his hair out. <laughs> they go up, shave his head. Come on, Simon, you're a great man, a great football manager, but you're that clinging on to dear life. I mean, McLaren's are sort of in a similar situation. Alan Shearer
1: has done it. Alan Shearer has got rid of it. Come on, Simon. <laughs> I mean, where else do you get this kind of analysis? <laughs> um are in, or in ways with their manager, Fabio Liverani, by mutual consent. That was obviously going to happen yep. after just eight wins out of 27 games in charge. I saw someone touting Teddy Sheringham as a yeah, replacement today. I heard that. That could happen. That would be interesting. Um, League two then. This is the player final, League one that kicks things off on Saturday at 5.30. Um, and I'm actually pleased about this, sort of being that it was a bit of a three-way race between Bury, Southend and Wigan for third and I'm pleased that both Southend and Wickham have made it to Wembley. Uh, we'll start with Southend. They made it past Stevenage after a what very a dramatic, dramatic couple, tie. I mean, just thundering, yeah. brutal clashes, weren't they? Really so entertaining games, though. Michael Timlin, um, that sickening clash of heads with uh, Bira Dembele in the <sighs> first leg. You uh, need a th- hole in th- the man's th- head. Team. stitches and a gaping wound above his eye. It was a long, long delay. And amazingly brave enough to play in the second leg. They actually went 1-0 down. Do you know what? I, 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 I joined that game in the latter stages of the first half oh, did you get a run on did you <laughs> yeah okay I replaced it. on you
2: come mate yeah yeah um, I, I got to the pub and I, I saw that they were playing I watched the second half and um and there was there was like it was just as the board went up in the first half. It was like eleven minutes of injury time and I went, oh, bloody Wesley. Time wasting again. Always bloody injury time with Wesley. And then then someone said, Actually mate, have a look at this <laughs> show me the vine on the on the phone. I'm sorry, Graham.
1: Take it back. <laughs> yeah. he, he might not be there much longer. I've recorded some yeah. quotes after the second leg. Anyway, so um uh, equaliser in the second leg from Ryan Leonard it's one all goes I think it's five minutes of added time so it's like two all on aggregate one all on a night 95th minute and it's 94.57 94.58 90 foot foul penalty so Barry court has got the chance at the last kick of the game to put Southend through Phil Brown does that thing where he turns around and looks at the crowd and not at the actual penalty uh, only for them to go he's actually missed Phil you've got to go on the pitch and do your team talk so he hits the bar goes to extra time but McLaughlin and then of course that man Timlin Uh, get the goals. Southend go through to Wembley. They'll be playing Wickham at Wembley. Two-all at in the league between them at Southend. Wickham won 4-1 at home in December. Uh, Wickham got past Plymouth uh, in the end on aggregate by five goals to three. Won the second leg 2-1 after winning the first leg 3-2. Some absolutely terrible defending by Plymouth Argyle over those two games. The third goal in the first leg uh, was ridiculous. Very poor, yeah. Um, Stephen Craig, they all just switched off at a free kick. Anyway, Zach Anser scored an absolute blinder to get him back in it. Uh, got the second one but uh, they just didn't turn up in the second leg. and they lost 3-2. But Jason Banton maybe come back, got the second goal yeah. in that first Might make leg. Yeah. the train. Yeah, yes, Remember? that's all right. Um and Plymouth stay in League 2 now extended into 4 years. So David Cameron Walker Wickham against South End. Where are you going? Where's your money?
2: Wasn't um one of Phil Brown's first ever matches as South End manager at Wembley. It was, against Crewe in the JPT final. Yeah. Uh,
1: or was it a playoff final? No, it was JPT. Yeah, I think it was JPT. Yeah. Was Cause
2: that when... Because um... that was when they were going to get Sturrock to walk the team out, even though he'd been sacked. That's and right. he said, no, I'm all right.
1: <laughs> so when, was it Nick Powell that scored a blinder in that game? Or was that a playoff no, game? I Powell's remember. blinder was in the playoffs, That's I think. That's right, yeah. I'm getting confused.
2: I don't know, I think this is going to be a really interesting game. Obviously, as we said, I think they are the fourth and fifth teams in, in League 2. I think they deserve to be there. South End, I've been really impressed with the job that Phil Brown's done at South End for the last two years. I think when that appointment was made, you you possibly weren't sure how it was going to go, whether he was going to be really up for it or whether he was going to stick it out for the long term. South End, to his credit, he's been brilliant for them. Really, really good defence. I mean, the, the, clean, the amount of clean sheets they've had this season has been fantastic. Daniel Bentley in goal's been getting a lot of applaud. It's The defensive unit there fantastic. And equally on the other on the other side of the fence, Wickham have been amazing this season. To come so close to going out of the Football League last season against Bristol Rovers, and um, to stay up on the last day, and you know, Gareth Ainsworth was player manager thrown in right at the deep end. And look at him. He's gone from strength to strength this season. Looks every inch the the the, the you know young promising manager. Um, and you, you can't call it. I think it's going
1: to be a great game to watch. I am calling it. I'm going to say Wickham are going to win. Yeah. There you go. That's my prediction. Have you seen both of them? Have you been to. Did you go both to the, to the league games? Uh, I went to Wickham away. Yeah, didn't you? Yeah. I didn't, um, oh, I saw Southend. I didn't see the away one because I was in Japan, but I saw the home game, yeah. which we lost. And uh, when, when you saw them both, who uh, impressed you more?
0: South
1: End. i just predicted Wickham are going to win. Fair point. I'm going to change that. South End are going to win. I just I don't, I don't really care. Exactly. Whoever goes up will play you next season. Whoever loses. You can enjoy Barney Away. Simple as that. Uh, we've teamed up with audible.co.uk to offer you a free audiobook of your choice. All you need to do is register for a one-month free trial to claim your free audiobook. There are over 150,000 to choose from. The 30-day free trial means you can now choose a free audiobook which is yours to keep wherever or not you decide to cancel in the trial period. And I have more good news for you, David Cameron Walker. If you trialled the surface over 12 months ago, the good people at Audible are giving you the chance to get your hands on another one for really? free. Oh, that's fantastic. It means I can have another free audiobook. Indeed. Audible.co.uk slash going up. It's important. great. News. if you go and get yours audible.co.uk slash going up is where you need to go we've got two more shows this season we're going to have a review of the playoff finals and we're going to have our young players special we really would like to hear from you on the best young players at your club because we need to fill in some gaps so if you support a football league team if you listen to us all season please do us a favour and tweet us at Podcast. that's W-A-G-U Podcast. let us know the best young player at your club so we can give them a mention next week or whenever we end up doing that show yeah, that's all good. Yeah. Ahead of next week. Great. Uh, the Twitter is at Wagyu Podcast. Facebook page is uh, facebook.com slash Wagyu Podcast. And the website, we wearegoingup.co.uk. That's almost it. One more thing we do want to mention, though. The reason... Oh, we will do the Fantasy Football League, for those people asking. We'll, we'll properly do that in the, the last couple of shows. And the predictions. We'll play about the preseason predictions. That's all still to come uh, after the playoff finals. Um, the reason why this, why this might sound quite rushed or not rush, but a bit like on the beach, is because we've got something else going on at the minute that we've been working very, very hard on that we'd like you to listen to. Uh, And it's happening on Monday next week. Mm. It is. So for the last uh, two or three months, the pair of us have been working on making a documentary uh, for Talk Sport. Now, we made a documentary on this podcast last year about the football and the war, the First World War, the the Great War, which you might have enjoyed. So this is similar. We're not actually presenting this one ourselves. No. uh, But we have... Produced it, which means we've been doing all the interviews and kind of running around and sticking it all together and spent a long time doing it. So on Monday, it is uh, 10 years to the day since Liverpool won uh, the Champions League in Istanbul with the greatest comeback in a European Cup final that I can ever remember. 3-0 down at half time out of the game the miracle of Istanbul they came back they won the game on penalties they were European champions if you want to hear the story of that night and that season from the players that were involved uh, then you need to listen to Kickoff on talk sport between 8 and 10 p.m on Monday next week it's a two-hour documentary we made it's taking up a lot of time at the minute we really hope you enjoy it we were lucky enough to go meet Jamie Carragher to interview him you'll also hear from uh, Stephen Gerrard himself Dietmar Haman we spoke to I went to Neil Mellor's house he was lovely, so you can hear from Neil Miller. Was nice? He was a real nice guy. Danny Murphy as well. The house was a house nice. The house was very nice, yeah. <laughs> uh, Colin Murray, Henry Winter, we went and interviewed. Uh, Jim Proudfoot, loads of people. Tony Evans from The Times, you can hear it all on Talksport next Monday this is the first time we've even mentioned it we are not even plugged it on social media yet uh, so you've got a little exclusive there but please do listen and enjoy it'll be hosted by Paul Barber uh, Monday night 8pm who is of course Denzel from Only Fools and Horses indeed so that's all coming up next week enjoy the playoffs please listen to that on Talksport on Monday night at 8 o'clock and we will speak to you next week for are you alright over there? I'm just going to go and get the aircon okay. back on <laughs> we'll speak to you next week for the last couple of podcasts of the season this is the We Are Going Up podcast we've got the football League covered. <laughs>